0: Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the definitive developer's podcast in fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez. Our co-host today, Dave Anderson. And today, we'll be talking about testing pitfalls and avoiding common testing blunders. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, We've I, all had them. Yeah, we've <laughs> all had them. I, had to, I wanted to get like a word that felt like the things we deal with, with testing. Yeah, it definitely hit home. Yeah. <laughs> Blunders is the one. I think so. Yeah. this will be just common mistakes uh, we find ourselves when we're testing. I'm sure you're thinking of some right now. Before we begin, we have a guest today, Dennis Liao. How's it going, Dennis? Doing fine,
1: man. Awesome. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself before we start? Yeah, sure. I'm a new consultant at Stride. Before that, I mean, I've been an engineer since like 2009, but I've gone through the school and the bootcamp route and I liked the bootcamp route so much that I stayed to teach. So I've got a bit of an academic side of things and the practical side of things. But awesome. I'm, yeah. What uh, bootcamp did you go to? I went to General Assembly.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Shout out to General Assembly. Yeah. A a. yeah. In the family. <laughs> and yeah, friends of the show. Friends yeah. Of the show. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So... We're talking about testing and the pitfalls that come from them. Does anyone want to start us off with the testing pitfall that
2: we're currently dealing with as of right now or in the past? So one I've seen is maybe sometimes people try to mock too much. You can get really aggressive about like mocking this and mocking that. And then when you change the code, the test doesn't fail. Oh, yeah.
0: No. Or you mock things that... That may change in the future, but it was mocked, so
1: the test would pass anyway. Oh, yeah. False positives because, (laughs) you know. those
2: are the worst.
1: Yeah. You fully orchestrated the happy path just to make it green and didn't realize, you know.
0: (laughs) 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 It's broken. Yeah. Yeah. It's a ghost
1: I wrote a test today where I
2: mocked date and I'm trying to verify that the updated date is happening properly. Oh, man. And... It was first of all, it was a huge pain in the butt to mock the right date. Yeah. And where it was coming from in Python, who knows? So he used a library. And then actually after ran the test, I'm like, there it is. I'm gonna see red test and then it was green. And I was like, what's yeah. going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the worst, right? When you expect
0: it to fail and then it passes and you're like, wait, why?
2: Right. <laughs> why you yeah, exactly question everything. And if I hadn't if I hadn't written the test first, then I don't know what it would have done. Right, JavaScript it leads to a whole lot of that too. Like it's
0: just a whole ton of different libraries. You could probably have to mock out something from. Go to the dictionary and pick a word, and there's probably the package that you have to mock out. Broccoli mm. JS, confetti oh, no. JS, whatever <laughs> JS. And you're yeah. like, oh, I got to mock it because I want to make sure it's going to return this nice thing for me. And like <laughs>
2: that's always a, that's always fun. Yeah, always for fun. sure. What might be. An alternative to, to mocking like if I is there some other approach that I could do besides mocking broccoli Js <laughs>
1: <laughs> the broccoli Js I don't know I think we're stuck with it for a while especially in JavaScript it, yeah. it seems like you know that's the way people are approaching it I just wish that they would kind of standardize their approach with the libraries that they're using one of the things I've seen in the past you know something I wish that people would do better is maintaining the mocking libraries that go out into the community. One problem I've seen in the past is a library going out to mock and how to interact with these mocks, but the documentation is just not there. Right. And you get all these magic methods that they don't belong to your code base. Yeah. They're specific to the implementation of the mocking library. Mm -hmm. And if you don't document it correctly, you're just confused and stuck in the water. Right. I think we mentioned before in time, I think it's Martin
0: Fowler's uh, testing pyramid for those who are unaware of the testing pyramid, uh, everything is either a pyramid or a quadrant, right? I don't know. It just always happens. So this pyramid at the bottom, very similar to your daily nutritional value pyramid, which (laughs) might've changed and will might change the next time you listen to this. The the daily bread. (laughs) The daily bread, yeah. The very, very bottom and the most that you should have in your code base are unit tests. And that should be like things that only exist very, very close to the implementation. Then Mm -hmm. up, and the as we go up in the skinnier part of the pyramid would be the integration tests which will lead to some mocking but you should definitely have way more unit tests than integration tests mm-hmm. and then last but not least at the very tip the small amount will be a full end to end test that probably calls like either a staging environment or like like yeah. the the real deal but those should not be written so
2: heavily and should like Take up a very very small amount of your testing suite, right? And each time you're getting closer and closer to like the true and ten each So like, if something breaks, if something changes, it they should break, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. On my weird test. Yeah. Oh, just just so you know, before I started talking, I did
0: Google to see if there was a broccoli JS, and there is a broccoli totally JS. Yeah. 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 So was, shout that's out, why I was cringing. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to broccoli yeah. JS, friend of the show. <laughs> just wanted to mention yeah. it out there. Sticking right. around on the JavaScript realm, async awaits testing and callback like waiting for callbacks to happen is definitely one that I find myself like it that is hell. Like pretty much for <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah.
1: One one of the challenges right now is is, you know, kind of the different syntaxes that we're currently having to deal with in javascript which makes dealing with legacy super challenging right Mm -hmm. so what some of you may experience when you go out there you know you're dealing with a code base that has tests that are still working with promises rather than async await or even just regular old callbacks yeah and then what do you do in that situation right do you do a massive refactor and rewrite everything or do you keep rolling with it right how much can you tolerate find a new job (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> man. I mean, it depends if it's legacy and you're not, I think we had a conversation about this before in time, but yeah. if it's legacy that just like will exist and not a lot of action happens mm-hmm. in there, like not everyone's going to jump in, then you should stick to the syntax that's there and hopefully in the near future deprecate that particular service. So you can update the syntax, but if yeah. it's here to stay for some time, then you can put in some of the work, function by function i wouldn't say look at the file change everything yeah i follow the what is it the boy scout not the boy scouts rule but it, i call it that it's probably not true, but <laughs> the rule is leave things better than how you left it. So like yeah. if I if I'm gonna make a change in a particular legacy function, then I'll try to you know update the little syntax here and there whenever possible. Yeah, right. Like if it if it's ES five and there's no Babel, like I'm right. not gonna go and install Webpack just so
2: that I can write ES six function. I get that arrow function. <laughs> <laughs> Bad arrow. Bad arrow is
1: awesome. Yeah. Cool.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Async think awake definitely is a lot. More clean
1: to reason about than yeah. Anything else? If you do find yourself with the time to do it, I would totally suggest it. It's just night and day when you look at the, the git diff behind it.
2: Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. Like, uh, there's been a lot of recent development of the Python language, and async await has made its way in Python as well. Cool. I cool. That. think maybe inspired by JavaScript, mm. but yeah, it just seems a lot nicer
1: than anything that we had before. Do you have a gigantic transpiling step in between? <laughs> <laughs> no, you just have to upgrade from Python two to Python three. Oh, oh
2: wonderful. Okay. <laughs> is that difficult right now? That's <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday for Python three, ten years. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Many people br- are still working on it. Happy birthday! getting there. That's a different podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's a whole <laughs> other sure. episode. Yeah. What about like uh multiple assertions? Oh, I don't like those. Yeah. I mean
0: here's the problem though. Like I totally understand why it exists sometimes. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I got so many things yeah, that yeah. I
2: need to tell people. <laughs> I'm asserting. <laughs> exactly. I yeah. don't have that much time. Yeah. It's <laughs> just
0: like oftentimes you don't want to rebuild the same function to assert some things. So I've imagined some people just like, all right, assert all the things and it's fine. I was like, no, it should be one at a time. Yeah.
2: <laughs> one assert, one test. That's it. Yeah. Well, sometimes like things could be one assertion and they just stretch it out. They drag it out like, oh, assert that the first element of the array is one. Assert the second element of the array is two. It's like, no, 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 no. We can
1: do this better. You can pick that apart. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Generally, you know, you want to stick to one. There are some times where, you know, you do want to test two things that are directly related to each other and and that's fine. Right. Yeah. But, you know, if you see this all over the place and it becomes problematic, then you're going to find yourself in a lot of pain later on. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So...
2: Good rule of thumb, one one, one test,
1: data. one assertion.
2: Do that. Do that testing haiku. Yeah, you arrange act assert where you uh, get your data set up. You do the thing you're going to do, and then you do one assertion.
1: Yes, testing haiku. I like that. It's <laughs> <That's> pretty <really> dope. <laughs> do you find yourselves able to write the tests before you write your code? Oh, uh,
0: i It depends. So what I what I tend to do is whenever possible, yes. Mm. I find that in JavaScript that never happens. <laughs> I usually write the implementation I want to do, uh-huh. and they'll like, okay, I kind of know how to test this, and then I delete everything, yeah, and then I write the test, and then I implement it, and then I, and then now that I understand how to write that test, then I can continue on with any of the edge cases. Very Boy Scout of you. Yeah, I'm yeah. really trying. I'm <laughs> trying out here. I'm yeah. really. I mean, it's hard. That's I'm not good. gonna lie. It's dumb. Like especially in JavaScript, I find it is it, painful a little yeah. bit. Yeah. To unit Because it's just like, you know, JavaScript is
2: it's JavaScript. Yeah. You know, right. Up. So. But yeah, I guess that's like to do that, that would be like pretty strict about it is a good way to avoid tests that don't fail when the code changes. Yeah.
0: Right. And that's another thing that we could talk about. You get those tests, you make changes to the implementation and somehow everything is still passing. It's like wait 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 a second. Wait, a- if I that's change just, other uh, things, yeah. <laughs> if I change other things, then how is this not going to catch any of the errors that I would expect if
2: we made a change? Right, but that's just like that's just being smart. Mike. <laughs> <right? laughs> We've all been guilty of that though, you know,
1: like testing something against some constant and then, you know, making the the test dynamically update. Yeah. When you do edit that value and, you know, you think you're being slick. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And no, 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 no don't, do that. Yeah. don't do that. Don't try to be slick. Things are supposed to
2: fail and yeah.
0: then you fix them and that's it. Yeah. That's great.
2: Yeah. Sometimes you feel a little bit like double entry bookkeeping where you're just like mm-hmm. testing that this thing that I wrote over here is equal to this thing that I'm going to copy and paste and write yeah. over here. But maybe that's a sign that you need to pull the lens out a little bit and mm-hmm. test something that's more close to the actual business value that you're yeah. implementing
1: it's definitely useful to have something fail just to signal to yourself and and have that uh, extra step of caution. Right. Yeah. Another thing that you should be looking out for is that your tests should uh, not bleed into each other. They should be atomic, right? So, they are all independent from each other, which means you can randomize their order and then you can paralyze, mm-hmm. parallelize their running. That totally makes sense. So, like, in
2: the worst case scenario you Mm -hmm. have a setup that's shared between multiple tests yeah and a value that has changed in one test is
1: used in the subsequent test right so if your tests all affect the same collection and you're counting on the length of this collection being incremented every time you run the spec i mean that's cool but that means your specs all run sequentially and they all depend on the same data set Which can be dangerous and really gnarly to work with, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've definitely had some problems where like factories might use global
2: counters Mm -hmm. for sequences. And then not only like if if the tests run in a different order, but you get a different result. But if you add a test before the one that you are working on, then that can also screw up all of the tests after it. Just
0: a fun fact in terms of finding solutions for those kind of tests and people may run into. RSpec has a command called RSpec bisect, and it will generate a seed that you can use so that it runs in that order. And then you can actually see when when a test fails, you can say, okay, the test fails in between these two files, and then it tries to run them, and then it goes down to the line as to what caused that error to happen in the first place. That's really cool. Definitely check out RSpec bisect. It's amazing. Mm. For Python. <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> I don't know about make, Python. Got to make Pysect. <laughs> Pysect. <laughs> Open source project right there. Awesome. The next one for me personally, I run into it as embarrassingly often is when you test the wrong thing or you find out that the thing you were testing on wasn't the right thing you were supposed to test or a test that you just like overlooked the testing and and then you don't really understand why it happened in the first place. And okay. I don't know if
2: anyone feels the same way. Well, you're just testing in the in- integer as an integer.
0: Yeah. Well, that, that could be one for sure. Like, or like, <laughs> if you have a singleton. Like obviously the singleton is going to return. <laughs> oh, like the constant we mentioned before, the constant is going to return the same thing. Cause it's a constant that we have in the yeah. test.
2: Yeah. A constant is a constant. <laughs> yeah. Oh God.
0: I mean, like, in, I mean, this may bleed into like different libraries that you may use that will cause this to happen and that kind of stuff, which is really, really painful. It can drain your your entire day. What are you talking about, like, testing library code? Yeah. You should, I guess, first use libraries that are trustworthy and well documented and spec, so you don't have to test the library
2: itself. you right. got to
0: trust it to a degree, I guess. We can
2: just trust that our ORM
1: will make a query if we ask it too nicely (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know you don't need to be testing your orm in a unit test for another model you know or or service object whatever it is that you you're in Um, you just need to assert that the behavior that you're that this class deals with you know is being asserted and and tested against
2: yeah that totally makes sense that sounds like more of a, a high value test yeah
0: I think we went over a lot. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot more testing blunders, I'm going to say. <laughs> these are just the ones that actually came up that yeah. we discussed because we run into them in our day-to-day lives and things that we've just seen in the past. Yeah. So, please
2: uh, let us know if you have any other testing blunders.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these are, are fun are conversations,
0: Twitter. right? Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is
2: what we sit and, and just complain about all day. All so, day. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, we we're, we're doing the right thing by testing, which is great, mm-hmm. but you know, we got to, we can fall through these problems and hopefully by listening to this, you may find this useful and not fall into these blunders
1: yourself. Yeah. Cool. Do we have any teach and learns? I'm reading a book called Simple Rules right now. It's, it's more of like, it's not really a technical book more than it is like a a management book and, and leadership book. Yeah. And it focuses on kind of how to run your organization or your life in general by a simple set of rules and minimizing, you know, the different ones that you can apply when you're trying to make complicated decisions. Uh, yeah, and it's it's really insightful. There's a lot of good stuff in there about you know how kind of the most influential people and organizations have have operated, right? Using the paradigm of keeping your rules simple. I see.
0: Do you do you know do you have a do you have a simple rule you can share with us really quick? You don't even have to
1: explain it. Just so like. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you one. stop drinking coffee after 3 o'clock, you go to sleep better, right? Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. whoa, whoa. Damn it, damn <laughs> yeah. Don't tell me how to live my life, man. Come on. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fine. No, no but you're right. right. Yeah. I definitely
1: don't sleep if I have coffee later. Right. Or write tests before you write code. There you go. You know? <laughs> That's a pretty simple rule, I guess. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty simple. So it's not prescriptive. It's just like, keep it simple. Yeah. And keep it short. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 backed by tons of really nice examples. I don't want to get into it now, but like, it, you know, it's definitely a fun read. Okay. Awesome. Yeah.
2: That's for the next podcast. Jim. Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, <laughs>
1: don't drink coffee after three o'clock. That goes a simple rule right mm. there. Dennis, it was awesome having you on, man. Yeah, You should thanks. come by more often. Sure. I mean, you know y'all grabbed me kind of randomly today and I I decided, you know, I'd have some fun. Awesome. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, Mm. I'm a long-time listener, (laughs) first-time contributor. So There you go. Too many more. Right. That goes for everybody out there. There you go. Yeah.
0: Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast.